if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, today we've got Casey Bruce. So, Casey, we've talked to a couple of times. If you don't know anything about Casey, just go to horsechats.com, search for Casey, search for Bruce, or even search for jockey, and I'm sure that search had come up. Casey was a female jockey. She's retired now, but um, we've got a little bit of a different story. We talked about her being a commentator, which she's done, but she's going to tell us the story of a horse that she's got called Chiquita. And for those people that don't know about Chiquita, Chiquita was a racehorse, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, about the journey with Chiquita. Now, how are you, um, Casey? Very good, Gwyneth. Very good. And his name is Chiquita, so it's a very, very difficult name to pronounce. But yes, it's Chiquita. And it's uh, it's quite hard trying to learn how to spell it too. Let me tell you, I did have to learn that. <laughs> it's, um, he's got a, a lovely mouthful tongue twister of a name for me mm. to continue to utilise. Wow, wow! Now, just thinking about racing, racing in Australia, and the different types of races are. Can you, before we go any further, just explain what a Group One race is? I mean, how important is a Group One race? Well, the Group 1 racing in our industry is the absolute pinnacle of racing. They, It is the ultimate level of achievement in terms of prize money and in terms of uh, prestige. It's, it's everything that any owner of a horse wants to have, any jockey wants to win, and any trainer wants to utilise. So our Group 1 racing is the biggest and best that you can possibly do, and only a small percentage of horses ever make it to being Group 1 winning horses. Wow, so small percentage of horses. I'm thinking about all the thoroughbred horses that are born in Australia each year, but, yeah, small percentage. So so we're thinking about Chautauqua. <laughs> Is that right? Got the name right you there? Got it, you got okay. it. So he won a Group 1 race, or how many did he win? Well, in actual fact, he won six Group 1 races. So he won six Group 1s, including one overseas in Hong Kong. He won the uh, Chairman Sprint in Hong Kong. So he was... An exceptional horse that, as an owner, you wanted to uh, have him in your stable, that's for sure. And his prize money was around the $9 million mark. He just he fell wow. just short of $9 million. So um, he was a very, very serious racehorse. And, of course, he was great. And they say always back the grey. So he had a really strong following for that reason. Now, he was crowned the world's best sprinter in 2016. What did he have to do to get that achievement? Well, that's that's when he won overseas in Hong Kong. Okay. And, and to be crowned that, they have to have a specific rating. So every horse uh, is given a world rating, in which case his world rating was very high. And when he won overseas, how he won and the style in which he won that particular race overseas 
just showed the world how impressive he was as a sprinter, mm-hmm. and uh, it helped his racing go through the roof, and in which case he was officially crowned at that point in time the world's fastest or the world's greatest sprinter, okay. which is a huge, huge thing oh, for an absolutely. Australian horse to win. Now, we see some long races like the Melbourne Cup where horses, you know, they come from behind. But as a sprinter, you almost think they've got to be in front the whole way, don't you? Well, you would think that, yes. And that's where this bloke of ours is um, so compelling because if anyone who's out there has an interest in uh, horse racing or is generally wanting to have a look at what this horse has done, um, all you have to do is Google his name and he is outstanding because at the 300-metre mark in the majority of his big races that he won um, over overseas in Hong Kong, he missed the start. He, he tailed out from behind and I think at the point of the corner, he wasn't even in the, in the camera screen at, at, at points in time. And to think that the horse actually won, beating some of the world's best sprinters on that day is the reason why he was crowned the world's greatest sprinter because he gave them all an abysmal head start and at the end of the day he still mowed them down on the line and um, probably his best um, the best moment of which in seeing his winning or, or his power as a sprinter will be when he won his third straight TJ Smith in Sydney he again coming to the home turn he wasn't even in the in the shot, really. As a punter, you probably would have, would have ripped your ticket up and thrown it away. And yet, unbelievably, this horse won the race. And it's wow. quite extraordinary when you actually watch just how powerful his finishing berths were. It, it's it's you know, nearly unfathomable what this horse could do when he put his mind to it. And, and that's the key factor with this horse. So I think people that aren't following racing would have to admit this was a pretty outstanding horse, you know, not just by Australian terms, but by world terms. He was pretty outstanding. He's very outstanding. He's a, he's a very famous horse for his um, ability, obviously, for being so fast. But then he's also very famous for uh, at uh, the point in time when he decided that racing was no longer for him. So he's famous, but he's famous for being infamous. All right, so he's retired now and he stayed sound through his racing? He has stayed very sound for his racing, would you believe? He's got beautiful clean legs for for a thoroughbred horse off the track, Um, magnificent clean legs, which is quite surprising because you'd think that a horse of his calibre might have given himself a few splints or a few knocks or – but, yeah, no, he was – He's very clean-legged and very sound, surprisingly. So we've got this amazing horse that stayed sound because, you know, some race horses, they get a bit old, they've been knocked around, they may not be as sound to race. But he retired fairly early. And I'm, you're going to tell me about why he retired fairly early because that's a bit of a story in itself. Would you like to um, tell us a little bit about his journey? What actually happened there? Well, the journey for him on the track was, uh, and this is why this particular horse is so famous, because he's brilliant. They don't become crowned the world's best sprinter for, you know, not being any good. This Mm. horse is at the absolute, as I said, pinnacle of racing. And then just one day, he decided that racing was for him no more. And he opted to not run. People would load him into the barriers. The barrier tenants would load him into the barriers. He was very obliging going into the barriers. He'd do everything right. Um, the barriers had opened. All the other horses would jump out of the barriers, and our bloke would 
stay in them. So bearing in mind, I didn't own him in his racing days. I only have him now. But uh, you can think of a frustrating journey. His owner, Rupert Lee, used to say, it's like having a Ferrari parked in the garage that you turn the key and it starts and it runs and it purrs like a kitten. Even at the, at the starting post, it's still purring like a kitten. And then all of a sudden, the light goes green and that Ferrari, even though it's purring like a kitten, doesn't go. Mm. Um, and that's what this particular horse was doing. This is the horse that just... At, no uncertain way, shape or form. Just one day said, you know what? No, I'm not racing. So all the anti-racing people were all like, hooray, there's a horse that said no. And then all the racing people were like, oh, my gosh, there's a horse that actually said no. And this is the fun thing about this particular horse. And, and we are, as he's the custodian of him now, myself and Rob Gaylard, uh, we're actually dealing with one very, very smart, very intelligent horse. And self-preservation has obviously been his key the whole way through because I think that's why he doesn't have any confirmation faults in terms of his splints in his legs or anything like that. He really looks after himself and, and he didn't want to run anymore, so he said, no, no, I'm not running. He virtually told us human beings to, can I say it, get stuff. <laughs> wow, wow. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, how did you come to get to Tarqua? Well, I, uh, when he was at Moonee which was the last time he was having a barrier trial, it was very highly publicised throughout the racing world. And it was almost world news, mm-hmm. this amazing horse that that wouldn't run. So he was on his last leg, Chautauqua, uh, and he, he had to uh, prove to the racing industry that he would jump and be competitive. And this was his last chance. And, of course, there would have been about 50,000 people that turned up at Mooney Valley just to watch this horse. He's that famous. They turned up to see whether or not he would or wouldn't jump. And I was watching him at home on the TV that night, and when he trotted down to the barriers, I just looked at the movement, his head carriage, the presence that he had. He had that real look-at-me-wow factor to him. And I thought, you know what? If you don't jump, I'm going to ring the owners. And that's... Goodness, that's virtually what I did. He refused to jump. He had no other choice to be retired. The owners had no choice. He had to be retired. Sure. Yep. So I rang the owners and, and through sheer harassment, and let me tell you, it was harassment, <laughs> Yep. Um, we got this magnificent animal to become, wow. um, you know, on a journey with us as he's going to be a show horse. So how have you found this journey so far? You've had. When did you get him, in July, or when did you actually get him? He retired in July, didn't he? Yeah, well, we got him uh, not that long ago. We okay. got him in August, roughly. Okay. So we yep. got him in August, and 
He was a be- he turned up to the property, beautiful, magnificent, lovely looking animal, and he's done everything right so far for mm-hmm. us. You know, mm-hmm. like we um, got him there that day, he settled onto the property really well. We didn't know what we'd be dealing with when we got him, but he's actually been really quite easy to deal with with certain things. There are okay. other things that uh, he doesn't like so much, but in terms of his trainability, you know, like putting a big saddle on him and walk, trot and canter and trying to get collection about him and, and teaching him now the long and low and, the, you know, um, relaxing his muscles and using his back muscles and all those things that he probably hasn't done for his entire career, yep. um, aside from run fast, he's really adapted to it really, really well because, as everybody knows, uh, what we could, his paddock name now is Sharky, so what Sharky wants, Sharky does, and if Sharky doesn't want it, Sharky doesn't do it. But yet we haven't found anything in his work yet that suggested to us that he doesn't want to do it. He's very obliging. Wow. And you said before that Rob Gaylard's helping you? Yeah, so Rob Gaylard's, uh, that's whose property he's on, and Rob, I call Rob my dad number two. So Rob and I have a very close relationship. We work together at the uh, Royal Shows as the commentary team, as if anyone would have listened to your podcast with me previously, they would have heard about all of that and and the dealings and the efforts that Rob and I go to. So now we've got another journey together and that's the Mighty Grey Man. Mm, Wow. Now, what about sponsors? Has he got any sponsors? He's got plenty of sponsors. Has he? That's the beauty about um, us having such a famous horse is Mm. everybody wants to be on board with, you know, having their name to, to him. So we've been very, very blessed in that scenario. So high gain feeds have been supplying him with all of his food, which I think High Gain are feeding him the, the True Care, which is a wonderful product for anyone out there that's got a little bit of an older horse. Our boy's nine years old now. So True Care is a product that's helping us build his top line. So High Gain's been brilliant. Um, so we've got Ascot Saddlery that are in Flemington here, and, and they've been wonderful supporters of us and helping us out with his rugs and anything that we need in that scenario. We've got Ariat. Ariat Australia, um, for when I come out into the showing world, is supplying me with breeches and boots, finishing touch brow bands, uh, making up the brow band for him so that when he comes out into the showing world, he's got his magnificent brow band. And, and with his brow band, the owners of Chautauqua have given him uh, or given us permission to try and keep his racing colours. So we're um, going to continue to try and uh, utilise his racing colours in his brow band when he eventually comes out. And his That's racing colours were navy blue, gold, and a gold lightning bolt. So, yeah, if we can get the gold lighting, lightning bolt into his uh, brow band, how spectacular is he going to look? Very so we've good. Got very good. Yeah. Really, really good sponsors behind us, which is great. We're very, very lucky and very blessed. When do you think that he'll start? Um becoming a show horse, you know, it's training. I understand that there's a lot of training to go in beforehand, but have you got a plan? Have you got a show? Have you got a competition, something that you're going to take him out for? Well, would you believe we've just entered him into his very first competition. Whether he gets there, going into the different story, we've got him in there like any yep. horse that's the track, um, but at least it's given us something to work towards. There's mm-hmm. a um, an event at the Vars or that we should I say the Vaz to the Victorian Ag shows, it's a championship show. Um, and on that particular day, they have a class for horses that have not competed at any show anywhere before under saddle. 
Okay. So it's virtually, it's called the Diamond Debutante Class, which is, again, it's a championship show. So it's almost a class that would be absolutely perfect for the likes of this big guy to come out in where he's against other horses that are in the same boat, that have never been into a show and into a class before. So that would be ideal. But again, it's coming up in six weeks' time. Whether whether or not we actually get him there is um, his work is going well. But there are a few other things that we've still got to work on, which is getting him out more and exposing him to, you know, the atmosphere of being away from home. And the mm-hmm. other thing that we found with him, which is a problem, would you believe, is floating. He's very claustrophobic. Oh. Okay. Yes, yes, because you, you put him in like a trailer float, are you, rather than the truck uh, floats? He's Because he's such a high-profile, amazing racehorse, his mm. horse has only ever been pristine trucks and yes. transports. He's yes. not been in a horse float before. <laughs> now, our horse float is a beautiful horse float, like it's got living up front and it's an angle-load sort of double-extended float. So he's not training, in, you know, he's, he's still travelling in luxury, but by all means it's different to what, He's used to. He's he's now in a in a horse float, and like many a person who's probably out there that's tried to school a horse on the float that's had one off the track, a thoroughbred, um, you know, sometimes they have a tendency to get a little claustrophobic in the horse float. So that for us is probably at the moment with him our biggest challenge is trying to get him comfortable in the horse float and trying to let him know that that space is not going to hurt him. Mm. Because I think sometimes he's relating being enclosed up in the horse float as being back in the barriers, which is what he doesn't really want to do. Yep, yep. Now, have you taken him out anywhere? Has he sort of just come to Rob's and stayed there or have you taken him out just to to be in another place or or any other event? Yeah, look, we we took him out one day and – we took him to a show at, uh, I think it was the Cario Murubal show, which is down towards the Lara area, which is only five minutes down the road from where the horse is uh, at the property where at Rob's place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just was like any particular horse off the track. He, he sort of got out of the float and um, stood to attention. And believing me, he was very much to attention and everybody knew who he was because <laughs> he's been written up in horse deals because as a secularist he's a very famous horse yes and um he just looked magnificent but his eyes were kind of spinning anti-clockwise he'd never seen anything like that before you've got to imagine he's never seen other ponies um you know there were little kids on pony clock <laughs> ponies walk trot cantering around there were dogs running around um, there were people with prams, you know, walking around behind, and, and he just went, where the hell am I now? He's been exposed to a lot of things. You know, he's been on aircraft. He's, as I said, this horse has been around the world. But <laughs> at the little old horse show, he, he was like, where am I? So, again, typical of any off-the-track thoroughbred, that these sorts of things are going to take time, and, and this is where it's hard on the journey that I'm on with this horse is, I feel though sometimes we're under a little bit of a microscope because, you know, there's this horse that's got such great expectation on him to, to succeed and, yes. and to be the best. Um, but people need to understand that he's not going to be Perry perfect. You know, when he comes out, he is going to be like any other thoroughbred that he's going to look at the environment and think to himself, holy crap, where am I? And mm. that's going to take a lot of um, desensitizing for him. So people have to allow him to train, whereas... You know, it was hard when we took him out that day. 
you know, everyone was wanting to take photos of him. Everyone was wanting video cameras. Everyone wanted to stop and have a pat, which is yep. great. Yep. But at the same time, they have to allow him to be trained too. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. It, was, it was a challenging day, but a good day. But at least we saw the products that we had, and that was that we've still got a lot of work to do to get him to where we want him to be. Yep. Yep. Now, what about just generally, if you've got advice for people with off-the-track horses? Well, I'm on this journey taking it not only with Rob, but um, my riding instructor who trained me from when I was a little girl, Lee Dunstan, mm-hmm. um, he is an amazing gentleman when it comes to retraining horses off the track or just retraining or pulling horses in general. Um, and as I said, he taught me how to ride and to go on this journey with Lee Dunstan and, of course, Rob Gaylard is a magnificent one where the three of us are all working together and we're all sort of on the same page. So Lee's really an integral part in in this big man and, and his journey forward because I always say behind any good Olympian, there's always a wonderful coach. You know, every team has a coach. And in this scenario, Lee Dunstan is my coach with his big grey horse, and it's it's wonderful to have Lee on the journey too. And Lee used to follow his racing uh, his racing journey because Lee's a bit of a race you know race man. He loves watching the horses race, so he absolutely idolised this horse from day dot. When I told Lee that it would be a possibility that we'd be getting him, Lee nearly yeah. jumped out of his skin. So <laughs> he's very excited, just as we are, to be taking the journey with such a magnificent animal. Yeah. Oh wow, Casey! Uh, you know I can wish you all the best. I mean, what a what a horse, what a story! And um, to go on from being such a fantastic race horse, I'm sure he's going to go on and be a fantastic show horse. He's certainly a good looking horse. Well, I don't think that the racing industry has ever had a horse of this caliber come off the track before. So mm-hmm. it's it's certainly uh, one that everybody is looking forward to being a part of because. You know, it just goes to show that you can get a horse of any degree, and especially this grey horse, because as I said, he's, he's famous for being just as infamous as he is a good horse. Like, he, he has got attitude, he has got spunk. And I think that if people can see the likes of this horse come off the track and be retrained and re-schooled and be successful, just gives everybody a bit of confidence to know that, you know, if they've got a horse out in the backyard that might be like our boy that might be a little bit anxious or nervous when he steps out into a horse show or might be a little bit anxious or nervous about going on a horse float. It just lets other people know that they're not alone. Like, mm. you know, we've got one of the best horses racing in the world and yet we, we are going through the same problems as is what they are. So this is where it's a brilliant journey from everyone's perspective because it just shows that the off-the-track program um, is a really, really good one and that there is life after racing for a lot of thoroughbreds and, and even a nine-year-old grey gelding who's a washed-up racehorse has now got a future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, how can we follow this story? It's been in the news, it's been videoed, it's been recorded a lot as a racehorse, but now coming into being a show horse, which may or may not happen on the, the, the um, event coming up, I understand that, but what's the best way to follow you and this horse? I think the best way to follow this horse is I was going to make his own Facebook page and mm-hmm. social media pages, but I'm not that savvy, so I'm really kind of struggling with learning <laughs> how to do that. So I think the best way that you can follow him is to follow me on Instagram. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of Facebook requests since having got the horse, and yes, the Facebook's good, but you know I think that it's probably easier if everyone wants to follow me on Instagram. 
Um, it's probably the best way to go about it because I'll keep everyone updated to where he's at and where he's going. Um, I've gone a little bit quiet on the Instagram on the big fella at the moment just because without repeating myself going over things all the time, you know, yeah, this is him in the paddock, this is him you know, working in the dressage arena at home. We just want to sort of keep things quiet, focus on his training, and then hopefully in six weeks' time we might see him out at his first competition. But if he doesn't make it to that competition in six weeks at Bendigo, uh, the Battle and the Border show for the Show Hat Council is in sort of mid-February, and I reckon that that goal is very achievable. So I'd say that'll be his very first goal, even though we are working towards the one in six weeks, but it might just pop up too quickly for us. Um, but, yeah, if everyone wants to follow his journey, follow me on Instagram and you'll all be kept updated to where he's at, where he's going, because a lot of his racing fans also want to know that if he's going to be at a show in Bendigo, a lot of people believe this is how surprising it is, just how famous this horse <laughs> is. There are a lot of people that have actually said to us, we'll go to the show just so that we can see him and have a pass. Isn't that That's great? how much he means to people. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's a... And we also are very generous with him too. You know, like if someone says to me, oh, I'm the biggest fan, you know, I'm also the sort of person because he is a lovely, quiet big animal when he's at home and hopefully he'll have that same disposition when he's out if we keep training him the way we're going. Um, I'm the sort of person too that'll, that'll get off him, throw the reins to the person that wants a photo with him and you know what, you can have a photo with just you and the horse because at the end of the day, no one wants a photo me in there with the horse. <laughs> um, it'll be a really good opportunity for them to be able to, um, you know, sit back and have a photo with such a famous thoroughbred. Yep, yep. Well, that's very generous of you, Casey. And um, I think if anyone wants to follow Casey, or I'm sure that people will, and follow the beautiful big grey horse. Instagram, Casey Bruce, and, uh, yeah, I just think that's great, Casey. And if you do see her and you want a photo, you've heard Casey um, make you an offer. She just doesn't want to get in the photo. She's quite happy for you to get a photo of the horse and yourself. Casey, thank you. Thank you so much. This was certainly a story with a difference. You know, we had sort of got to know a little bit about you and your lifestyle and your being a female jockey, being a champion show rider. You know, I think this is a wonderful story. So thank you very much. Well, Glennis, I sort of put it, I kind of put it in a way of, and this is where it gives some people a little bit of a laugh. And, and it is a great story to follow because I always say that it's a washed up horse and a washed up jockey. Mm. And we're going to turn around and we're going to try and do something together. So there you go, washed up horse, <laughs> washed up jockey, and the two of us are going to achieve great things. Wonderful. All right, thanks very much for chatting to us today, Casey. We'll uh, Hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Glennis. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.